And welcome back to Cocktails and Commodities. Joining me as part of the On Air at iMark, or in the On Air at iMark booth. I'm actually not sure what connecting words I should use there. I'm a little dusty today, folks. Please forgive me. Joining me here is Nicholas Boyd Matthews, who is, <coughs> allow me to rattle this off, director, founder, owner, CIO, fund manager, or a head manager. Hedge manager. Hedge manager. <laughs> yes, I, I think uh, Shay and I had probably too many drinks last night. Not at the same function, but a um, bit, di- bit disheveled this morning, aren't we? Yes, but isn't that what a mining conference is for? It is. It's been great. Yeah, it's been great. Now, you are, I do need to say the company that you are from. I did rattle off your many titles. You are from Eden Asset Management. Correct, Eden Asset Management. Thank you very much for being here. Now, I got to meet you yesterday, uh, and I loved your energy that you brought to the stage. We hosted a panel talking about uh, the changing investor profile, or I hosted the panel, you participated. I'm actually going to kick off today's podcast with one of the questions I asked you yesterday because I actually think it's a great answer and more people should know. Mm-hmm. Um, ETFs, I, I'm really frustrated with ETFs because I do think they suck a, a lot of money out of the market and they encourage young investors to start investing, which is yeah. great, but sometimes they don't really take the next step out. So tell me, are ETFs a gateway drugs or does it, a gateway drug to the market or does it create lazy investing? I think a bit of both really, mm-hmm. if, you, if you put it like that. Um, it, is a, it is a lazy way of investing because you're effectively putting money into a uh, a basket of shares that are designed to meet a certain sector or asset class, um, whether that's growth, income, or whether it's uh, you know uh, the banking sector or commodity sector. So it makes life very easy for you. Um, that basket of shares has been chosen by a fund manager, somebody like myself, and often there'll be a passive investment, which is sort of like an index tracker. Um, I actually do do, um, uh, or will be doing, I should say, an ETF uh, later next year uh, due to demand. And well, what we've seen with ETFs are an interest in active fund managers. So rather than a passive ETF, we've got um, active fund managers that aim to outperform an index or, or you know, a particular market or benchmark or hurdle rate. And what I do is uh, natural resources. Um, so I invest in global natural resources around the world as a specialist alternative fund manager that's active, but I'm uncorrelated to any particular index. Therefore, that makes me attractive as an absolute return fund manager. Um, so there's been a trend that's moved towards investment into these active ETFs, and we hope to launch one, I think, next year, hopefully. So I like them because <laughs> I'm biased. Uh, <laughs> quite simply, Jay, I, you know, we're launching one, so I can't say anything bad about them, really, can I, given we're launching one. They are cheap, though, and that's the good thing about them. Um, if you're investing in an ETF, it's, um, the, the actual management fees are way less than investing in, say, a traditional fund like myself. Mm-hmm. There is, um, there is uh, typically no PRF, performance-related fee, but mm-hmm. there can be. So as an early investor, it's a cheap way and a, and a cheap, quick, easy way without selecting a basket full of stocks to get diversity into a particular index or sector. So I'm, I'm for them. I'll vote for them. Um, on that, do you find that young people are using ETFs as an entry into the market? Well, my background generally is institutional, um, and we generally get fund of funds that invest in as family offices, mm non-for-profit, um, that sort of thing. Um, but I can tell you from my experience that, um, yes, I think young people are looking at ETFs, um, mainly because of the liquidity as well, which I didn't touch on earlier, is that they are um, managed by um, or listed on an exchange, um, and that could be an exchange around the world, whether it's you know London, Frankfurt, or where it is, and that gives it a lot of liquidity, mm. uh, which is quite important because, obviously, if you want to get out of a position, you're going to need somebody to, to sell as opposed to a traditional fund where you have to put a redemption notice in, it's a lot of paperwork, you know, you post it off, you wait a couple of weeks, all that sort of stuff, whereas um, ETFs are very simple to, to, to trade and very liquid. So, so, yes, young people are definitely, I think, embracing that market. 
Okay, I might have to change my bias and stop being anti-ETFs. <laughs> um, moving forward, again, I'm going to touch on something that I threw out at the panel yesterday because uh, you've got a really good answer that you gave me in a text message later on. Um, when the, so at the start of the pandemic, it turns out Australia had one million new investors. People who had never bought shares before were suddenly buying shares. That's a huge influx of people to start investing. And it turns out 50% of them were women, or just shy. We're talking like 40, 48, 49. Uh, tell me, is that the start of a new trend of female investors, or do you think this was a one-off blip because of the uh, pandemic? Well, first and foremost, I, th- I hope it is a trend, mm. and a trend that's positive and upwards. Me too. Um, and um, I, again, I've got a very strong opinions on, um, on female fund managers mm-hmm. and, and women in finance. Mm-hmm. Um, I am linked in with uh, a number of the, uh, the 100 women in finance around the world, um, which um, you know is an organisation that promotes women in the workplace and in the finance industry, mm-hmm. and I'm very much in support of that. Um, I also work for, for a charity called um, uh, uh, White, White Women Australia, um, which um, educates young men, um, schoolboys, and how to be respectful towards women. So um, this, this subject, um, you know, on, on women in finance um, does you know does interest me. And um, Eden, we certainly, uh, to, you know, we, we do back this sort of um, this market in terms of we want to see more women in the finance industry. And to sort of put some, some numbers together on that, there's probably about 14%, 14% female fund managers. Now, that, that, that's, that's not representation of the numbers you just gave a moment ago, is it? Mm. Anywhere near? No, not even close. <laughs> no. So the question is why? Why is there only 14%? And the other interesting fact is, they're actually really good at the job. So in a, in a world that's obsessed with numbers and quants and multiples, sharp ratios, Sorrentos, you know, alpha, beta, you, know, you name it, why the hell don't we have more female fund managers? So it was a, a question that you know, I raised many years ago when I actually worked with somebody in the industry who was a fund manager. And, and we tended to know, and we, we touched on this earlier, didn't we, Shane? Mm. Um, you know, I could ask a question in a meeting and everybody would listen up and take notes. And if I gave that question to her to ask at the meeting, it wasn't received in the same way. Let's put it that way. Um, I also found that um, the pay difference was huge. Um, I don't know if you have any experience of this yourself as, as being a female in your I, industry, but... I certainly do, actually. That's, it's a sore point of mine. Because it seems to be across most industries. So <laughs> yes. I'm probably, you know, just talking about finance here. But in finance, it's vastly different. Um, so you've got 14% of females working as a fund manager who are providing what we call alpha returns, which Mm -hmm. is substantial. Um, They're achieving alpha. They've got good numbers. Um, They're risk-adjusted returns, which is key here. Risk-adjusted returns is what we go for in in, in our business. And that means we're taking the least amount of risk with the money that we have to get the maximum gain. Mm. And that's important. That's not stock-picking. That's not gambling. That's not speculating. This is proper investing. Females are better than men at doing it, simply. You know, they manage the money with less risk. They, they, They invest for longer periods of time as opposed to men tend to be shorter, they don't trade. You know, they are generally, on all fronts that you can name, and I could go through a list of them if you want, mm-hmm. they perform better than men. So if I had to work or have my money managed by anybody, that would be my first choice <laughs> on the list of a tick list, if you know. <laughs> so why aren't women well represented in finance? Because uh, tapping back into my experience as an equity analyst, you know, it was, no one looked like me in the room. And, uh, and it was something that I experienced everywhere I went. Like people here at iMark and there is a, a strong female presence here and it's really good to see. But why aren't we seeing more women come into financials? Because they're at the junior level. So yes. what's stopping them from getting up 
higher. Well, let's be honest, Shane. There's no one that looks like you. <laughs> so, so that, you know, <laughs> um, uh, even the women. So, yeah, be fair. Oh, um, you're <laughs> making me blush. On the podcast, for those who can't see, believe me. Um, <laughs> and I'm so dusty today yeah. as well. <laughs> it is a bit of a struggle, isn't it? Um, so, um, sorry, what was the question again? I, I missed that. Why aren't women getting into these positions? Why? Like, is, is there a bias in hiring? Look, I, look, I, look full confession here. I am a single mum. I understand yep. what the pressures are of home and family life and yep. balancing your work life. Yep. So I do understand that. But is, is there a bias against hiring women in this industry? Like, you've got a front row seat to this, and you're an advocate for it too. Absolutely. Um, and I'm a single dad, by the way. Oh, just, are you? I just mentioned that. My son, 15 years old, Oliver, um, getting into getting interested girls, actually, funny enough. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to educate him on. Um, but um, um, why is there not enough? I, I don't know. Um, I don't have the answer to that. I assume it's tradition. I assume mm-hmm. it's from longstanding, you know, that the man has always been the breadwinner, which is absolutely absurd. Um we're in it. We're in a. In a what, what year are we? What generation are we now? We're up to alpha. My kids uh, are alpha. Alpha is it? Alpha generation. I don't even know what I was. X, Y, G, or whatever it is. But, but you would think by now that this would be accepted and normal. Mm. That when people go and look for a job, that it's purely on the merits of their ability, mm. not on, you know, if they're wearing a skirt or a pair of trousers. You know, I, I think that's the simple choice. I mean, I don't know why the answer is that we can't, you know, get more women on equal pay and in the industry, in all industries, it appears. Um, I don't have the answer, simple as that. But if you do or anybody out there does, please tell me. Oh, please, please actually respond to the podcast and come on in and we'll talk <laughs> about it. Uh, now, moving forward, I do want to talk about you're nominated for an award here at iMark, which is why you've made the trip out. Sounds like you're a little hard to drag out of Perth. Very much so. <laughs> I'm a country boy. I grew up on an orchard with a well and, you know, and a red horses. And my sister still does. Um, and so uh, it's very hard to get me to a city. Um, the award is actually taking place on the 30th of November. And I say award, I mean, I'm nominated. You're nominated. I think you said nominated. Is it uh, November? November the 30th. Oh, November in the 30th. In London, IMARC event. Um, and, and I have been asked to fly over. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're taking that as a hint, but we don't know. I mean, there, there are some good nominations up there um, of all done good things. So I'm flying over on the 25th of November. Mm. I'm in London for, for Christmas as well. Haven't seen my family for Oh, quite a year since before COVID. So they're excited. Mm-hmm. So big family gathering back up in sort of, um, well, they've moved to Wales now in the countryside. I'm originally from Worcestershire. Um, so uh, back to the fields, back to riding horses. Back to the well. Back to the well <laughs> if it's still there. Apparently I fell down that well when I was a young kid, but I can't remember. <laughs> so you never know. So maybe it's bricked up by now. Um, but um, the award is, is quite special. To be nominated for an award that is ESG Initiative of the Year. Mm-hmm particularly when we sort of found out that we are the only ESG light green uh, Article 8 SFDR uh, approved uh, natural resources usage fund, which we actually got our classification on the 9th of March um, in 2021. And it came into force on in, in 10th of March 2021. So the day before it came in, uh, so we've been doing it since it came out. Um, we did uh, uh, run the actual fund that I managed from um, as a usage three, which was at the first ever regulated hedge fund back in 2005. We ran that strategy on natural resources uh, last year um, with some friends and family. That proved to be successful and came in as the number one ranked fund manager in natural resources. So that made us, gave us the confidence that we could do it in an ESG format. Mm-hmm. Um, the only difference between that fund strategy and now is I don't invest in fossil fuels. So I don't invest in coal, oil and gas, um, anything that's bad, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And obviously we've taken on this, this um, um, gender diversity, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, um, as a point of difference that we promote, which uh, includes people like you know, women in the workplace, industry and that sort of thing. 
um, and I'm involved in charities as well, which at uh, my age is, um, is new to me. I've been doing it for about two years. Used to do a lot of um, training uh, with Fincia, and, uh, okay. yeah, uh, a mentoring program, which I did for about 10 years, because um, I do love lecturing on things in, in the industry, but um, more, I've given that up more recently, so I'm sort of doing a bit of, bit of charity work. I have to say, one thing that I, I've mentioned this a few times actually, and it's probably getting a bit boring now, but um, when I first started in the industry, um, I was at Morgan Stanley as an analyst. This is over 30 years ago, and I remember the investment director saying to me at the time, don't ever mix ethics with investment. You know, and they used to, mm. we used to invest in tobacco companies in those days. Mm. Progressive, progressive different policy, uh, you know, free cash flow, lots of money. And let 30 odd years on, it's gone full circle, and now we're being responsible citizens, and we're investing in only things that are good for the environment, good for the climate, but more importantly, social and governance yes. is being taken on board as well. Um, mining in, in, in Australia, to be honest with you, has been very good on the environment. Um, um, I know that um, Adam Matthews from the Church of England, who I am a big fan of, mm -hmm. um, he speaks out quite regularly about mining and, and, and you know, sort of, you know, what they've been doing to the climate and planet is quite bad, and I do agree with him. I think that is right. But I, I, I also would think that um, mining is quite important in terms of critical minerals in helping to solve the problem of climate change. And I think a redirection of money, and um, particularly people like myself who have access to funding, to have a responsibility to invest that money into mining companies that take on board um, a roadmap or a plan to actually become sustainable. Because mm -hmm. let's be honest, they're not sustainable at the moment. No. So it's not like we can go out there and say, right, we'll pick that company or that company. That, that just simply won't happen. What, we're, what we do at Eden, which is very different, is, and that's I assume why we've been nominated for this award, is that we've come up with the initiative to say, right, on the E, the S, and the G, on the environment side, the social and the governance, there are codings from Europe. Um, we've taken those codings, and what we've done is we've applied that to companies that we look to invest in, um, and then map out where they are, so, sorry, map where they are currently, and then map out where they should be in the next few years. If those companies then adopt that roadmap, and with a, with a genuine intent to become sustainable, not all of them do, mm -hmm. Um, some of them use it as a bit of paper to wave around, you know. With ESG. the fancy green colouring yeah, on absolutely. there. Absolutely. Else, how do you know your yeah. ESG? Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, which, which isn't true, guys. <laughs> for readers out there, you know, <laughs> don't believe what you read. Um, but um, if the companies that do adopt that, that roadmap, then, then we will invest in them. Um, we also um, provide training through a third-party company um, called Parve ESG mm -hmm. that, um, um, that actually takes on board that as well. They do roadmaps similar to us, but they're not um, ESG. European standard. Mm -hmm. um, we've got that, that, that side of things. So we do um, have partners that we can uh, refer, um, and that doesn't have to be mining companies, it can be any company. Mm -hmm. But uh, obviously my focus is ones that qualify under Europe, under SFDR, ESG, light green, article A. It's a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a lot. I actually I don't even know where to start with. <laughs> I hope they actually shorten it to something and then some acronym with them. But, um, and I will explain what the difference is on those in a moment. But um, yeah, we're, um, we're hopeful that a lot of the companies, and the ones that we've seen so far, most of them have embraced it. Most of them are, are, are pleased to actually do a roadmap and give some guidance. There are other firms out there that provide the mm -hmm. service, so we don't mind if they use a third party you know, provider, as long as these companies take on the initiative to become sustainable mm -hmm. in some format in all of the different codes, of yep. E, S, and G, then we are comfortable to invest in them. And we think that's the way the market should go. Um, 
I probably should touch on. Are you, do you understand like green articulate? And I actually don't. So I was going to go yeah. there. You mentioned it earlier, yeah. and I made a note down here. And I have no idea what light green article eight is. Um, so we'll get. We'll start with that now because I've got a follow up question for you. Okay. Um, and I do get whenever I mention this, I ask, I ask that because most people look at me completely blank and say, "What the hell is that?" But to be fair, a lot of ESG stuff is still um, very mysterious. But we know we've got to do it or got to have it. But nobody knows what to, it is. So please. Absolutely. On that panel, actually, everybody voted on that question, didn't they? I don't know if I'm going to ruin your question now but everybody said ESG is here and it's coming and yes. it's to stay yeah. and I think that is a general trend but getting back to um, the actual classifications there are a few but I'll just focus on two of them at the moment if I may um, there's light green article 8 mm-hmm. and there's uh, dark green article 9 and those are the two, two that uh, are, you know that are probably most relevant to, to us um, in terms of sustainability. Are these issues. terms actually meaningful? Like, do they say what they are? They do. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. I'll let you explain. The, uh, there's probably a hundred-page or thousand-page document that we can refer to if you wish. <laughs> um, but um, it's a European standard that's come out. It's called SFDR for short. Now, light green and dark green. I, I compare them as uh, vegetarian and vegan. Okay. To make it as dumbed down and simple yep. as possible. As in dark green, Article 9 is, is, your, is your vegan. Mm-hmm. So the only way you can invest in companies is if it's you know, true and it's got a rating. Yeah. And that rating is being given by a ratings agency. And that can be Morningstar, Sustainability, uh, you know, uh, all, all those sort of companies, um, uh, Bloomberg, Morgan Stanley. There's loads of them out there. Um, the only problem with that is that the companies that do have a rating, all these rating agencies actually put such a wide range on them that they're not really succinct in that you can get a good judgment as whether it's green or not, mm-hmm. whether it's sustainable. So it is evolving and it is changing. That's the dark green side. Light green is where we're, we're vegetarian. Mm-hmm. As I said, and that means we can have a bit of meat and fish. <laughs> you know, um, without, without food, so to speak. Um, so what we do as a light green is we are um, committed to up to 80% of the portfolio mm-hmm. that we manage through so our stable, our, our universe of uh, investments is actually doing a roadmap is becoming sustainable mm-hmm. which is those roadmaps we mentioned earlier so that 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 to me is important it is an intent though mm-hmm. but you're absolutely spot on but uh, it's, it's actually changing um, all the time it's evolving ESG and uh, it will continue to evolve and so this time next year there'll be something else and something else the year after and something else after that and we'll have to adopt some change until someone finds the correct solution and no one has the answer yet but we're getting there. It's That's the main thing. We're getting there. <laughs> I think I like, well, I stole this from uh, Roger, the other guy on the pal- mm. panellist, but it's safety. You yes. know, this is, this is evolving from the, you know, we used to laugh at companies that insisted wearing a high-vis vest and steel cap <laughs> boots, but now it's a given. You cannot get into a mine site or any workplace, you know, any physical workplace without the, this safety wear. So that's very much where the ESG trend's going. You're right. And well, it's not a trend. That was a bad way. Of just, I shouldn't use that word. <laughs> it's not a trend. <laughs> It must be time for a drink again. Um, <laughs> I like your spirit. <laughs> OHNS, remember that? Oh, Occupational God. health and safety. Yes. There should be a big, big um, laminated bit of plastic with some writing on, on in the kitchen somewhere in the office or, or wherever it was. How to bend and pick up a box. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yes, and, and we had to nonsense. I mean, that was sort of laughed at, but I mean, that's evolved into where we are today, I suppose. It is, yeah. and look, I do. La- I laughed at OHNS when it first came out. I, yeah. I remember as it was becoming a thing. I actually travel with my little in my podcast. I have a bright orange gaffer tape, right. so that way, because of OHNS policies at most places, if I've got to tape something down, yep. you need to actually know that there's tape on the ground, that there's yeah. something there. So that's just how ingrained it is, and that's very much where this ESG is going. Yes. It's going to be that level where we're just so used to it, it's normal in what we're doing every day, and our investing. Sh- 
almost like breathing air. Yeah. Yeah, and not quite like the drinks we had last night. <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing, isn't it, really? Um, no, I think I'm embracing it. I think it's good. And it's nice. It's nice after all these years in the industry. You know, I'm old. I'm, I'm old, I can tell you that. <laughs> I feel old as well. But it's nice to be able to embrace and do something that, you know, is good for the economy or good for the climate or good for the world, being a responsible citizen. And not only that, including everybody. Yep. You know, not just sort of, you know, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a white, white male. I'm, I won't say my age, but I'm nearly 50. Um, and, and I'm We're in the same decade, you know, buddy. Well, well, you look a lot better for it, I can tell you, than me. Um, uh, I've probably you know, lived a hard life compared to you. No, I haven't. Uh, no, I don't think I have, really. I think we'll have to swap some off-air stories. Yes, we probably will. We'll save that for another time, I think. Um, but um, it's just nice to see that the world is, is doing this in, in my lifetime, and uh, I hope it continues. Do you know, it's funny, because the cynic in me, when people talk about their, oh, no, we don't invest in fossil fuels, or we're doing these gender diversity quotas, or whatever it is, the cynic in me is like, are you doing that because you believe it, or are you doing it because that's where the market is, and you're being forced to meet it? I could say personally, for me, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm very honest about this, I, I'm doing it because I, I'm intrigued and interested and I want to do it. Mm. Um, and when it first came out, I probably thought, oh, here we go. Um, here's another way of, we've got to tick a box to be able to you know, invest in something, which isn't going to happen or change the world or do anything. Mm-hmm. But it, it has, and, and it is, and I can see this being something that is good for everybody. So, so no, I'm, I'm generally in favour of it. I believe in it. You know, and, and I want it to happen. Um, but I will answer that with two with a second part, yeah. that, uh, which I think you're probably alluding to more. Um, yes, there are a lot of people out there that are just literally using this. Yes. As a, we're green. Yeah. You know, look, look, we're green, we're ESG. And they, they put, you know, I think the word is um, greenwashing. Are we allowed to say yeah, that Yeah, we're now? greenwashing, yeah. Are we allowed to say Because greenwashing. Um, it is. There's a lot of it. Um, it, it saddens me, actually. Because in an industry that, that I started years ago was self-regulated, mm-hmm. that's now regulated because you can't self-regulate, mm-hmm. can actually come out and, and, and you know, but uh, put so statements. It took, it took a minute for the penny to drop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, come out and put statements that they are ESG just to mislead people to get money. In. And it's not just small firms. No. We're talking DWS. I mean, Deutsche's you know, asset management arm in Europe, billions of money under management, and yet they've been told off because they've been misrepresenting themselves as being ESG. Mm. I mean, that's a huge industry. You know, player, sorry, that, that actually, has, you know, if Deutsche can get these things wrong, and they're in Europe, they invented it, you know? <laughs> I mean, for Christ's sake, we haven't got it out of here yet. <laughs> I mean, what's the world coming to? That is just so, and the fines. Again, they were, they were poor. The fines mm. were poor. Yeah. Um, nothing to them at the end of the day, so it is bad. Sorry and to interrupt there. No, 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 that's okay. Gra- mm. Actually, great story. I do love it. Um, but it, it, it's the reason why it adds to people's cynicism in general. It's like, well, what is it? If it's so, if something like Deutsche can get away with it, get away with it, they got caught. Mm. If they're doing this, you know, that it gives people reason to be susceptible of what other companies are doing just because they're claiming it. Absolutely. It breeds it, mistrust. That it, was the... Yeah, the short version of Deut- what I was trying Deutsche, to say. DWS Group, their asset management arm, billions and billions of assets under management. And if they can get it wrong, uh, you know, then absolutely. Um, everybody can get it wrong and, and can get away with it. Um, in Australia, there seems to be a bit more policing of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all well and good, you know, ASIC having the powers to do things. They've got to have the ability and the manpower mm. to do it. Um, and dare I say manpower, I should have said, you know, people power. Um, <laughs> Probably why there's a problem with you know, that sort of thing, but um, anyway, um, I, 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 I do believe in ESG. I do believe that we are heading the right way. Are we there? No. Are we getting there slowly? Does anybody have the right answer? Probably not. But I'm sure over time, 
We will. Probably probably not in our lifetime, but it'll be perfect. But it'll, we're getting there. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there slowly. Yeah. All right. Now, we're going to need to draw this podcast to a close in two questions. Uh, yes. First and foremost, as you've mentioned, kindly mentioned, you've been kicking around the industry for a long time. Um, Thank you. In what you do. <laughs> I mean it as a compliment, I promise. <laughs> 34 years. I could have been like, well, you're an old timer. There was, yeah. you know, there's other ways of phrasing it. Um, in your experience, what do you think the industry drastically needs to change right now? What does it need most? In terms of, is that a very broad question? It was a very broad question. <laughs> and you know what, if I didn't drink so much, I'd have my big girl pants on and remember all my big girl words. Um, basically... What is the industry lacking? Let's, like, let's look at investment funds, like you're moving into ETFs. But what yeah. is – do you think you need more women in there? Do you think ESG needs to be improved? Do you think um, all regulation? Of all, all of those in the above. Mm-hmm. Get the tick. Um, um, you know, you're on the money there, so to speak. Um, definitely there needs to be a change um, in the boardrooms. Um, mm. And I think there was a good panellist we had yesterday that you, you um, hosted. I thought that was very good. Um, and, and, in fact um, – was it, was it the Austra- Australian Association? Uh, Rachel. Rachel. Rachel Waterhouse, yeah. Rachel. I thought she had a lot to say. It was very interesting. She was great. Um, and I did take notes, and she has been in contact with me since then, so I must get back to her. Because she's got some interesting stats on, mm. on, on, on investment and that. So I think she would be good to answer these questions. Um, but then again, all the panel were quite useful. I thought we were very good. Um, but then again, do you remember the, the comment about, I think your question about time, investment time horizon. Yes. What's, what's long-term, what's short-term, and what's medium? Yeah. Now, that I thought was a great question. Reason being, in Australia and in Perth, where I'm based now, long term is I about like a how week. you separated Perth from Australia. Yeah. And just so you know, that's how the rest of Australia feels I know, about Perth. Absolutely. <laughs> we want to wall down the middle. We're going to change our flag in Western Australia and we're not going to let anybody in. West you know, Australian. The most West Australian. Australian yeah, <laughs> the most isolated state in the world. You yep. know, we like it that way. Stay out, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's a great place. Come and visit, honestly. Um, great beaches. I mean, I live by the beach. It's wonderful. But um, anyway. The time view. Yeah, the time view. Absolutely. Um, in Western Australia, there is a lot of speculation. Um, p- playing the pokey, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, gamblers that, um, that will uh, consider long-term about a week. You know, but for investment purposes, I think uh, one of the guys on the panel said uh, three years. Yes. That Wh- was a long-term view, long-term in his view, opinion. Yeah. Which I found... Ridiculous, because three years is very short term to me. Yes, um, and I, you know, that was something I disagree with. To me, um, I go back to my days in London. Um, gilts um, had uh, time frames on them where you know you had your, your shorts, mediums, and longs, and I would use those as a, as a definition for time horizon. So you're talking more than ten years mm. for long term investment, and you're talking medium, probably five years, five to seven, and you're talking short term, mm-hmm. one to three years. Okay. So so completely different. So I thought it was a great question. And I think everybody answered it slightly differently. Everybody had a different opinion on what long-term was. So my opinion may be different from everybody else's. You know? it, it was <laughs> fascinating. And part of the reason why I ask it is uh, mining's a long-term business. Uh, you know, it can The average mine takes 15 years from discovery to first, ho- you know, uh, production. first production. Yep. It's a long time frame. So to have a long-term view and then hear somebody say three years, it's like... It can take three years to build a plant. Yeah, it's, it's already spent way, you know, it's dropped a few holes down the ground and, yep. and, and still you know, doing the geology on it to, you know, to firm it up. It's not even near bankable or feasibility study, pre-feasibility even. Actually, I mean, sometimes they could take three years themselves. And most of them spend a lot of the money on flying around having lunches all the time <laughs> and doing podcasts like this, you know, without actually putting any holes down the ground. But, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it's um, a mine life, it used to be about eight years many years ago. Um, um, I mean, we could, we could have a whole conversation about this as well, about the mining industry and how... I might really be demanding a follow-up after uh, yeah, this. this a super great. cycle, yeah. you know. Um, 
I, I mean, the last super cycle I remember that was a proper super cycle was up to the Beijing Olympics, and I was yep. here for that and did very well with the fund I managed. But um, we are in a different environment now with electrification. Um, you know, um, this is going to be a wonderful super cycle, I think. There's got, it's got a more, more legs. Um, and most of the commodities are doing well. There is talk of recession. I mean, we, um, you're right, it's probably another time for this conversation, really, because there's too much to talk about to go into that. But, um, you know, I'm generally quite positive on, on mining, and I think um, as a time horizon, because of the supply demand you know, fundamentals, um, and there has been a lack of investment in exploration for years, um, I think that we will we'll see, um, you know, a lot of mines have to come on online, and that's going to be a lot of capital, a lot of capital, and I mean a lot of capital, going into mining, which, as you just said, will take... 15 years. Yeah. 15 years minimum, if you're, if you're lucky, to get into production. Um, and I always find it funny when I see exploration companies and they talk about the commodity price of today and say, look at the commodity price of today. This is a reason to invest in my exploration yeah. company. <laughs> well, well, when are you going to produce and what will the commodity price be in 15 years' time? If you can tell me that, then we can talk. Yeah. But please don't quote the commodity price now because <laughs> it's currently irrelevant to me. You know, honestly. It, look, it, <laughs> it is, and there's like, you know, when gold's hot or lithium's hot, it's like, oh, we've got some of that. And it's like, mm. so by the time you get it out of the ground, that won't matter. It could be the worst commodity <laughs> in the world, couldn't it? Let's be honest about this. Um, so there is a lot of hot talk and a lot of rubbish. Um, I mean, again, for another time, I know that we're sort of coming to a wrap, aren't we? So um, well, We're meant to. Yes. Yeah. It, I mean, it sounds like you and I could actually just carry this on to the pub later tonight and have uh, a grand uh, old time. The rest of the week, actually. I mean, mine's not flying back to Perth, actually. Yeah. <laughs> And you can tell, guys, I don't get out much, do I? No. <laughs> All right, we do need to wrap this up because I have somebody coming in in about 20 minutes. Right. But before you mm. leave, now I know you're a little worse for wear now, I certainly am, mm. but if we are at the bar later tonight, yes. what cocktail would I be buying you? Oh, I'm a bit of a girl, Manhattan. Really? Yeah, I know from, from um, Sex in the City. Yes. I carry Bradshaw. Did that influence you? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> we're actually in the Ozone Bar in, in Hong Kong mm. at Mines and Money a few years ago. Yeah. And there was eight or nine of us and we were all drinking you know those cocktails <laughs> it was quite funny and we were all absolutely sozzled after about five minutes really uh, right up there I think it was the air as well but it was a great time no I do like that cocktail I'm afraid oh no that is absolutely fine it's just another one to add to my, my list <laughs> might have one later <laughs> yeah, yes <laughs> do you know what right now it's like absolutely not but I reckon I can be quite um, I can be persuaded in an hour right, I'll twist your arm thank Nick, you very much it's been a pleasure to be on here today oh Nick this has been a ridiculous amount of fun nobody should have this much fun in their full time <laughs> job so thank you very much uh, and I really hope we get to chat maybe we'll do something over Zoom in a few months after you may or may not have won this award okay thank you very much indeed <laughs> pleasure to be here thank you bye